Welcome to the Masters 1000 Winners Circle, Karen Hashinoff. Second serve championship point. Hashinoff reaches up and serves down the tee. The backhand to the feet of Hashinoff, who scoops up the backhand cross court. Another backhand from Hashinoff, cross court to the backhand. Skewed from Novak Djokovic, he's done it! Karen Hashinoff is a Masters champion. He reigns supreme in Paris. He defeats Novak Djokovic and he takes the title in his first final at this level. Straight sets, 7-5. Karen, after an incredible performance today and all week, can you put into words just what your first Masters 1000 title means to you? I mean, it means it means uh, the world to me. Uh, it's one of the biggest titles in my career so far, and I couldn't be happier to finish the season like this. You know, to to win the last tournament of the season, especially Masters 1000 against Novak Djokovic, world number one in the world. So. That's all explanation. And of course, it's not just today. It's been a great season all round. Three titles, career high ranking. How does this set you up for next season? I mean, the same goals as it was for this year, to try to finish as high as is possible, to, to keep uh, working with my team, um, with my, uh, on my game, uh, to try to improve day by day, to be competing against uh, guys like Novak uh, on the biggest tournaments uh, more consistently. And enjoy your moment with the trophy now. Thank you very much. He certainly did. The biggest title of his career, a new career high ranking and four top ten wins in a week, more than his previous total in his career. Karen Hashinov, champion in Paris, thoroughly deserved. And we'll be looking back on the finale to the Masters calendar on the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Then a little later, we'll be hearing from some of the men behind the best players in the world right now. Find out what Andre Agassi's role might be within the Grigor Dimitrov camp next year and look ahead to the next-gen ATP Finals. That is... It's a lot to get through, but it will be worth it, I promise. Gigi Samuel alongside Miles McLagan in the ATP Tennis Radio commentary box with the dust still settling from the Parisian final. And Miles McLagan, what a week it has been for the 22-year-old from Russia. Absolutely incredible. And... What a finale as well, absolutely fitting. He was so strong um, in many matches, but today, I mean, with all that was on the line, with the form Djokovic was throwing, was showing with the way the match was going, he, he was he was rock, rock solid, and he played some really good tennis. The first serve percentage was high. The net play was excellent. He's got the power from the back of the court. He's got the touch and the feel as he comes forward. And he also seems to have added to that at the age of the tender age of 22, the composure and the mental fortitude. It's, it seems that way. And, and sometimes you can you can see that a player is nervous and they're trying to keep the, the, the nerves un, yep. under under control. And you know, But he looked completely natural as though he'd <laughs> been there. I mean, there was Djokovic going for his 33rd Masters 1000 title it looked like it was Hatchinov. I mean there was he didn't blink once and I mean the, that last game there were some brutal rallies the, the first two rallies of the of the last game and the match point I mean if you're nerves it's you know it's very easy to just pull the trigger and say just just I, I need a quick point I'm just gonna try and sneak this one up the line or just sneak in a drop shot but nothing of the sort he played the tough rally uh, he, he grounded out he, he played the right shots it was very very impressive it's incredible how things can come together at the top of the podcast I said there four top 10 wins in a week more than his career he entered this tournament with three top 10 wins in his career and and 16 defeats he's flipped it on its head Isner Zverev, 
team and ending up with to lift the trophy, the man of the moment, the toughest task in tennis at the moment to beat, which he did, the man number one from Monday, Novak Djokovic. That was incredible. And, you know, Djokovic, Djokovic has played a couple of brutal matches coming in. He was pushed by Cilic. One of the matches of the year for sure, top five match against Federer. So Djokovic started out very, very well. I mean, he was timing the ball. It looked like he had all the time in the world. He went to break up, but uh, Hatchinov responded. But it's good to see. I think it's, you know, those four wins, it's it's kind of nice to see the top guys beating each other and just, uh, you know, in the mix and, you know, matches that a load of matches that where we think there's points that, right, this, this is a huge moment. This is a huge moment. This is a huge moment. We're lots of moments. I mean, that's why we watch sport, to be on the edge of our seat. <laughs> this time last year, he was getting set, Karen Hashinov, to take part in the next-gen finals. That was the goal for that year. This year, he will end it with 46 wins, although I say he'll end it. He's got himself shooting up the rankings from coming in as 18 and ending up at 11 as an alternate spot for London. Yeah, so he'll he'll go along at the moment on the rankings. Isner is the will be the top uh, alternate. They don't. I don't think it's compulsory that they go. There are some certainly some financial uh, rewards for going, and of course, you know the players love the city because they get you know they get treated well all year round. But extra special <laughs> at the tour finals. We still don't know. Nadal pulled out here. Will he? Um, Will he risk it? Will he be fit? Will he go and play a match as he did last year and then pull out if things aren't, you know, if the knee's not right? Um, so, as a, as, yeah, I wouldn't, um, wouldn't get on that plane to uh, wherever he might be going just yet, <laughs> <laughs> to that beach just yet. Yeah, the beach might Or take your rackets with you. Don't like Radek Stepanek. He got in in Shanghai when the, when the Masters, when the year in final was there. But he had to have his rackets sort of shipped from, from back home because he was on holiday. I just thought tennis players took their rackets everywhere because we hear we heard that story of Federer and Cilic in the Maldives. You're meant to be there to switch off from tennis. And it's an island. Some place you take your racket. It's a tiny island. They both happen to have their rackets with them. Uh, yeah, I thought when we talked about that yesterday, it was um, a little bit of a... That sort of crossed my mind, but I suppose you know maybe they just want to hit 15, 20 minutes just to so that the you know the tendons and the wrist and the shoulder don't completely shut down. Maybe it's just a habit. You get you pack your yeah. suitcase, your passport. I don't know. It took me a long swimwear. time to travel without rackets and think like the, uh, the, yeah. there's something missing. There's, I haven't packed. Naked. It, yeah. Yes. Well. <laughs> so going through the baggage checklist and the first thing, racket, passport. So it probably just ends up in the luggage. So yes, Karen Hashinov, keep the rackets by your side. For Novak Djokovic, it felt, and you mentioned the brutal encounter against Roger Federer, one of the, the classics, one of the matches of the year. Before that three-setter against Marin Cilic, he alluded to a flu-like virus that he's been battling. It was quite clear to see. But in this final, after he lost that first set, it felt like the, he felt like he was suddenly feeling the pain. It felt like the fire had died. There was no roaring or yelling at the box. It just went a little bit flat. It did, and I think that's... He was he was under the weather, and perhaps when you play those matches, that takes even more from you. And starting today, you know, we talk about the the reserves, but you have mental and emotional reserves as well. And perhaps he'd had to d dig so deep, particularly that semi-final against Federer, which was, I mean, that was that was it was three hours, but it, over three hours, but it went by in a flash. Is didn't it possible it? to recover? In time? Well, and under the completely, weather as well? perhaps not. Uh, you know, if it'd been the afternoon match, you'd get a, a few more hours to, to chill out. I mean, you know, the intensity of that, you might not have been able to sleep for a long time. Um, very, very tough. But, you know, I, I think 
he'll be he'll be very satisfied with where he his whole game right now. I mean, how can you not be? He's winning. Uh, it, it is tough for him. He he was pushed, and I, and I think it's interesting because you know a lot of people he is he is dominant at the moment. Saying, well, a couple of Grand Slams this year, a couple you know, next year, and pushing Roger's record. But these things can happen, and it's actually probably remarkable how how seldom that has happened to the top players where a little injury or a niggle or a cold or a bit of illness at the wrong time has, has not derailed them. So you know, can't take all that, that winning for granted. But it's still remarkable what he's done yes. in the second part of the season. He's, what, 21 at the start of Wimbledon, his record since Wimbledon, 31-2, and two, the two defeats in Toronto to Sitsabas and, and here in Paris to Hashnov titles, Wimbledon, Cincinnati, US Open and Shanghai, a run of 22 straight wins and he will be by the time many people listen to this he is now he is back at world number one which is an amazing achievement i think he's the the first merit safin came from outside top, uh, the top 20 to become number one he didn't finish the year i think that was the year gustavo Curtin pipped him but uh, yeah he will well djokovic hasn't finished the year number one yet either of course nadal he's knocked by, by beating Federer, he knocked him out the race. Still a chance in the Nadal. semi, but there's a chance for Nadal. And wouldn't we love to see that? We we saw, oh. we had uh, a couple of years ago, 16, wasn't it? Murray, Djokovic. They, that was the match for number one. <laughs> kind of fizzled away. Murray won convincingly that day. But yeah, it'd be nice to. It's nice to have all the little the, the little side plots. Uh, Mars is going to be back a little bit later in the podcast. Congratulations to Karen Hashinoff, a career-changing week for the Russian. Still to come, we are going to be talking all things next-gen, but not before, as promised, we bring you some of the best bits from Paris, featuring a very happy man who ends the year as a number one, a few of the men behind the men at the very top of their sport, and to start with, it's only fitting that we get to know the new world number 11 that little bit better. So I'm back in the player lounge with Karen Hatchinoff. Um, two titles this year, one in, in Provence in South, South France and, and the other in Moscow, of course, which I'm guessing w was the more special of the two. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's for every player to win uh, at home. Uh, it's uh, one of the um, dreams, you know, uh, that this dream came true because I was, uh, while I was growing up as a kid, I was uh, in this uh, tournament, you know, taking autographs from our ex-top tennis players, Russian tennis players, and then, you know, I was watching matches, so, and I was thinking that one day I could, I was dreaming to become a champion there in front of the, my family, friends, uh, home crowd, so that's something special and for sure will be one of the biggest uh, titles in my career. You know, it's it just uh, means a lot to me, yeah. And one of the toughest matches, in fact, the toughest match, the only three-setter against your good friend Daniel yes. Medvedev. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the draw was uh, made like this, that we could meet uh, in the semi-finals. So maybe it would be better if we could meet in the final, of course, even for the Russian crowd and uh, in general to be two Russian finalists in Moscow. But um, it is what it is. Uh, this is what we have. And um, at the end, uh, it was one of the toughest matches during this tournament, yeah. And was it all the more special, given that you've made the conscious decision to move back to Russia? Mm, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just uh, all the things, uh, how to say, crossed together. So after New York, yes, I moved back to Moscow. And uh, uh, it's just a tournament like, the, like all the others, you know. I, I, I arrived there from Shanghai. I was uh, already... Well, playing good, I was feeling good, I just uh, practiced, prepared well for the tournament and uh, just showed really good level during the whole week. 
And over the season, the course of the season, you've obviously been much more consistent this season, I think, in general. But has there been a favourite part, a favourite swing throughout the year? It's tough to say, uh, really tough to say, because every tournament is special. I would say every Grand Slam, every Master Series, every 500, 250. So we are playing all around the world, and I would say I like all the swings, you know. European swing at the end of the year is maybe one of the most difficult because it's end of the year, end of the season, everybody's more tired maybe and that's why at the end you'd have to try to be maybe even more focused and concentrated if it's possible and uh, just to try to keep pushing the last tournaments of the year but yeah, it's tough to say really which one is my favourite one. I, was, I noticed on your ATP profile it says you're, you're studying uh, in, at university in Moscow, is that true? Yes, I finished uh, last year. So you, you've graduated in what? Uh, like um, tennis coach, let's say it's uh, or okay. sports. sports like fit like fitness coach. I don't know. It's a sports sports uh, education and uh, in Russia it's actually mandatory. Um, after you finish school, you have to go to university. So this is a uh, Russian uh, sport university where actually all the guys from uh, from tennis and other sports they are studying after school it must be tough to fit it all in um sitting on that sofa the other day uh, yesterday talking with daniel uh, asking him how, what he does to relax we all know the answer to that of course he plays a lot of playstation <laughs> what do you what do you do to relax away from tennis yeah i, I like my hobbies is uh, to play chess to read the books uh, to watch some tv shows uh, and of course it depends if um, my wife is with me in the tournament then we go around if we have free time uh, through through the city to, to, to relax to um, I don't know go cinema sometimes to the theatre so it always depends uh, which week is it tournament week or uh, practice week Delighted to, to talk with coach of Novak Djokovic Marian Vida. what's pleasing you most about the way Novak's playing at the moment and the way he's competing out there He's competing, you said. Yes, exactly. He's competing, and that's that's the most beautiful thing that he's he's there, and he never let uh, himself go down. He never give up any ball, and he's there every point, and he's just uh, his game is improving from to, from uh, from match to match, and then he can he can increase level for the rest of the tournament and. Uh, um, I just said he's competing and he's finding the. I'm happy about his game because he's finding the game on the, on the court. It's not just uh, uh, sim- simplicity, but it's also he, he make him make the game very interesting. And for for it's it's just uh, nice to see him now at the moment. And he's risen to world number one uh, already. Is it quicker than you dreamed w- possible? Absolutely, absolutely. It's very quick. It's very quick. I didn't, I didn't expect it at all. I said many times, and I, uh, and uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm very pleased that the way that he is he, is back, and back to number one. I mean, I mean, I would not expect it in April this year, but I mean, it's amazing, amazing run, and amazing cooperation with Novak. I'm very happy and. Uh, I'm happy that he he's very focused and uh, he is um, basically um, he has his goals and uh, it's a it's from from tournament to tournament and he, he is able to reach it so 
as I said before, we had a Grand Slam goal to win the Grand Slam to come back. And then and he won two Grand Slams, then he, then he, he has an appetite to be number one, which is, which is good. I mean, the way he was played before, he played also great, but now he's more matured. He has a different, as you see, he's uh, more matured itself. He has a family, he's, uh, he's, he's more... I mean, now he finds himself in a little bit different way. I mean, different way that he is able to, I mean, be focused all the time. Before was maybe up and down many times, but well, not many times. But you know, the, the difference is that he's uh, he's just uh, find the motivation. Mm. Um, one of those things that's helped him find that hunger and the motivation that we spoke about earlier in the year as well. Is it perhaps this young generation of players who are coming through and, and really pushing the old guard? Has that been a, a motivation too, the, these young guys? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, these, these guys, they have already, I don't want to say that, that word, it's aging, but, but this younger generation still have a big gap which they have to close out. And uh, this is uh, one of the cause. Obviously, I saw Kachano playing very good this week. I mean, he absolutely deserved the final. And, uh, you know, and uh, he just uh, need to, I mean, after, after this match, uh, just have to refocus again because this young generation has a lot of guts and uh, they can really hit the heart, every ball. And we can see they can go and they have no, basically, any mental block. They can really go for it. So for every shot, so it has to be, I mean... The final is final. I mean, it's always if you reach the final, and uh, I don't want to say you you want to win the final. So it's it's the tournament. It's more focus, even more. I'm delighted to talk with the coach of Dominic team, Gunter Bresnik. Uh, so popular out there, Dominic. You know, as a as a Roland Garros finalist, and uh, I don't know, maybe a French girlfriend helps as well. But uh, it seemed like the crowd was really behind him. I think he has a great game. It's it's fun to watch. Yep. He's a very, very nice and modest guy and uh, all the people, they realized it over the last few years and this is what make, makes him so, so special and so well liked. It's the first semi-final at a Masters 1000 on a hard court. Um, does that feel like a big milestone to, to pass for you? It's important. I mean, he, he did really bad during the, this year in, in the Super 9 tournaments, except in, uh, in Madrid. And if you want to, if you count Monte Carlo as a Super 9 as well. But he was injured or sick at four of the others. Had an early loss in Shanghai and an early loss in Rome. Not playing well. And um, usually he played really bad second half of the, of the, of the year, except um, the US Open. So this is a little bit different. He did really, really well on my... Uh, behalf in um, St. Petersburg uh, the way he played that was for me the best out of throughout the whole year and then um, he coming from a, a tough loss in Vienna and then performing like this is really really special and it just shows that he became over the last 12 months again a much better player. He's such a hard worker and he plays a lot of tournaments that's been said before, I think he's played 23 tournaments this year, more than anyone else in the, the top 10 in the race is that still something that you're, you're looking at, the, the calendar? He, he, he's happy it seems to be playing that many tournaments. If you look at how many first round losses he has then uh, it, it's, it's 23 is not that much, you have to look at the matches 
And uh, I, I don't understand this discussion all the time. I mean, he, he hasn't played even 70 matches this year so far. And uh, looking at Roger Federer, who everybody thinks plays so little, played in his in the career of 20 years, uh, 1,400 matches. This is every single year, 70 matches. So I think this is not... 70 matches not even enough for me in a year, and especially for a player who is still, still on the way up. Uh, he's 25, but... Uh, Due to his sickness he had between 16 and 19, he's, uh, for me, still far off, uh, off his peak. In terms of playing on the hard courts, where have the big improvements come this year? Is he, seems to be serving better on a hard court, is that fair to say? He, he serves better in general and on a hard court. This doesn't have to do anything with the surface. It's getting better and better. Percentage-wise, not, not really. But uh, I think the biggest improvement is the return. Uh, if if um, This is the thing I complained the most about it the last few years that he gets two little balls in play he's a very good baseliner and uh, today he did really really well with his returns and has that been a technical change is he is he shortening his shot uh, on the return or um, is it just the way he's approaching returning the game in general just approaching different doesn't make a difference you need to work hard for it and uh, he put a lot of effort into it um, before the US Open uh, there he returned already well against Anderson and against Nadal and um, right afterwards in St. Petersburg he played really well but it's a, it's a lot of work it's not major technical changes it's just uh, he's adding a slice return he's changing the position uh, I think he also starts reading the surf bed of the other guys and this helps especially for the return Great talking to you Thank you I'm back in the player lounge and this time I'm with Dante Bottini coach of Kei Nishikori and before we get into the interview I have to ask about this the, the onesie, the blue Uniqlo onesie. How do we describe this? I don't know. I, I kind of like it, actually. You know, I like this color, so um, <laughs> that's why I'm wearing it. <laughs> Good for protecting you from the winter. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah, it's very cold here, so you got to make sure that you use the right clothes. It's been such a... An amazing year for Kay in so many ways. He's he obviously from where he started to to where he is now. Um, the body all good because that it's it's going to be a concern now or something that everyone thinks about. No, body body's perfect. Body wise, he's he's very well. You know, maybe he's he might be a little bit tired, but that's normal. You know, considering that he's been playing, you know, a lot of tennis. But uh, body wise, he's good. And what's pleased you most about this year and the way he's come back? The the way that he's healthy, you know, uh, I'm very pleased that he's uh, healthy, you know, no problems. Um, I'm I'm very pleased on on you know the way that he approached uh, all these tournaments and 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 the way that, that he you know the, the the moment that he's going through, you know. I mean, we never thought that the, uh, that he would be in this position, you know. When we started the year, uh, we were having a lot of doubts on how was uh, how he was gonna be doing, you know, but. Uh, Obviously, everybody's very happy in the team. Uh, he's very happy, and and the year is not over. So we we keep uh, we keep on going. Well, yeah. Are you surprised in a way that that this has happened so quickly and that he's in contention for London? Yes, yes, I'm very surprised um, because before U.S. Open, uh, we were uh, very out of the this competition. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprised on that. And but like I say, you know, I, I credit uh, 2K. That he's been playing great uh, this last couple of months, and, uh, and he's been, you know, performing uh, the way that he's been performing. In your opinion, how big a difference has moving to the states made? For K, I think it's huge. You know, he moved the, there when he was 13 years old, so um, 
you know, uh, I think it opened uh, opened up uh, his mind a lot, and uh, he had a great, uh, you know, players to practice with, uh, great coaches, a great academy there, great people that follow him, uh, you know, that they, they took care of him. So I think it was um, obviously, I think it was a, a huge, huge deal, you know, and I think he's he's the one that uh, that started uh, all this. Uh, you know, different uh, th- for the people to 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 be moving out of the country. And he's based in the states now, but the Asian swing must still be very important for him. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, the Asian th- swing is is very important for him. You know, playing in Japan, uh, his home country. You know, where his family is, friends. Uh, obviously, is 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 very important. But uh, but you know, he 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 take it uh, he take it <laughs> very very relaxed. And of the three finals that you've been in this year, and obviously he's got so close to, to winning a title this year, Tokyo and losing the final there must have been the toughest pill to swallow. Is that fair enough? That was uh, very tough, yeah. That was very hard. Um, but to tell you the truth, you know, um, you know, got to give credit to Medvedev. He played a great tournament, a great match, but uh, Clay, uh, Kay, uh, Kay didn't play well that, that match at all. So... So it was kind of like a mixed feeling, you know. I think probably the the last week uh, it hurts a little more, you know, uh, because he 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 could have won that match uh, against Kevin, but uh, for a few points he he didn't, and uh, you know, it leave you a little bit of bitterness uh, at the end. And you mentioned the slams. Um, he's twelve and three in slams this year. I mean, really considering where he started the year, an incredible performance when you consider. He's lost to Novak twice, who ended up winning both tournaments, and Dominic Team on clay. I mean, otherwise, his his performance in Grand Slams, you've got to be pleased with. Yes, yes, of course. I actually I talked to him about that, you know, that he ended up losing with the winner of the two Grand Slams, which was Novak, you know, in, a, in tough matches. And he lost against Team, you know, also a tough match uh, that Team made the finals in, in the French Open. So... So yes, yes, very. I'm very happy on the way that the, the way that he's been playing the Grand Slams, you know, and especially starting a little bit later, in, you know, this year for us for the for the injury. So, so yes, he should be happy about that, you know. Also making his first quarterfinal in Wimbledon, best tournament. So we're very happy. What, what does the off season look like? Do you think for Kay? Is there a, a lot of rest, or do you get straight into training? How, how do you think it's going to be? He finished probably the 18th. And then, uh, you know, he needs to take a few days off or 10 days off, of course, you know, because it's been a long, a long year. And then uh, start with the physical trainer uh, training and then um, come back to U.S. probably in December and, and um, you know, and start the, the, the preseason probably beginning of December. Uh, so we have a, a good uh, couple of weeks, you know, before the first tournament that is uh, uh, we're planning to go in Brisbane. And just finally, given everything that's happened this year and where he's come from to where he is now, almost, what targets do you set for 2019? Do you, do you set more targets in terms of rankings and or is it just winning a Grand Slam? How does that look? I mean, we're still in this year, so we haven't, uh, we haven't sit down and, and start discussing uh, for next year, you know. So I think after this year finish, you know, we're going to uh, do um, an, all, uh, an, an overall uh, year announces. And then, um, and then we're going to talk about next year's uh, goals and and sets, you know. But I think we need to still focus on this year. That the, we just need to be focused on on this tournament now. Thanks, Dante. You need to tell me where I can get myself one of these onesies. All right, no problem. I will.
Well, I am delighted to talk with, let's face it, a regular guest on ATP Tennis Radio, Danny Valvadu, coach of Grigor Dimitrov. Um, and Danny, I, I want to thank you first as well, because it's very easy to turn up and, and talk and do these interviews when things are going swimmingly well, but perhaps not quite so easy when things are, aren't going so well and Grigor's come off two, you know, shabby losses. So uh, thanks very much. H- how are you and how is Grigor? Uh, well, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, Seb, regardless of the of the circumstances. But uh, yeah, definitely the last few months have been uh, up and down. A uh, couple tough losses in Beijing and and then last week in Vienna. Um, but again, it's it's been uh, it's been up and down already for for the la- for the second half of the year, and and we're working. I mean, like I've told you before, and, and I'll say it again, we. Uh, we're very committed to to what we believe in and, and and the type of work we need to do to to keep getting better and, and trying to get that confidence back. Um, when I spoke to you in Cincinnati, I told you that we were a bit unfortunate with uh, with draws and first rounds in in uh, in the middle of the year, starting in Madrid. And but again, that's just not an excuse. You still have to have to play those matches and and, and try to win them. Just they they didn't go our way, and then it's a, it's a slippery slope when, once you start losing matches and. And we're just trying to get it back, uh, trying to find find our way back and, and and get our confidence. Obviously, we're putting a few a few wins together. Will will be the the perfect recipe to to try and get that confidence back. So that's what we're trying to do: keep keep working, trying to trying to keep our game as as on point as we can, and and then trying trying to get those wins, which are the ones that are are gonna get us back on track. I mean, you you can do as, as much work as you want, but if you are not winning and, and the confidence is not there, it's difficult to to use your your assets. So. We're, we're hoping that um, even if it's if it's this week would be great, but if not, we'll, we'll, we'll regroup, train hard in, in November, December, and then and then try and start getting wins at the beginning of the year. You said the word confidence a few times. Um, try to put your finger on the problem. Is most of it now in Grigor's head? Uh, he's playing well. I mean, he, he's playing well. We're we're going through through some changes uh, that are, are going to be good for his uh, for the for the longevity of his career and 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 not only for for the beginning of next year, but but also when we're looking a bit long term. So we're going through a few processes that it's, it's not only mental. I think on, on when it comes down to equipment and, and and game game plan, we're we're looking long term. We're not we're not focusing on 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 what's happening this week or. Or what's happening next month? We're we're trying to build him to to be the best player he can be. Uh, I think he's obviously achieved a lot of, a lot of big things, but uh, we still believe as a team that we need to build more in order for him to be consistently at the top. I, I think uh, what we've done is good enough to to have some good results, but uh, but not good enough to to be there at the top consistently. So that's what we're working towards and and trying to build him in a way that. That he he stands his best his best chance at at, uh, at being there at the top for, for as long as possible. You said some technical changes, um, and let's face it, it's not often Grigor serves. I think what, what was it, thirteen double faults? You're looking at the serve. It looked a little bit different in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we're working on the serve again. I think uh, the the double faults might be coming from from the confidence uh, side of things, but we're definitely working on the serve and and, and a few other things. Um, but again, it's obviously not normal to be to be serving like that for him. He's he's a great server and 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 he's one of one of his uh, top three assets assets that uh, that he counts on. Uh, so it's obviously something to clean up and, and and get better. But definitely, we're working on 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 his serve to try and find the way that he can that he can rely on it consistently in the big moments. Not not just rely on it on, on some tournaments, but but for him to rely it throughout the whole year and and, and to be able to rely on it rely on it. Later in the in the big in the big events. So, like I said, we're we're thinking we're thinking long term and and trying to build him uh, in a way that he can 
he can believe in his game uh, for a longer period of time, not, not just for a few events. So for, for relative tennis pedants like me, um, and for people listening, you know, are we talking about his, his ball toss, the way he's taking his racket back, the follow through? What, what are you looking at? Uh, I'm not going to get into the, into the details uh, about what we're working on. It's just obviously trying to, trying to minimize um, things that could go wrong with the serve. I think that's self-explanatory. So we're, we're trying to, to simplify. I mean, since I started working with him, my, my whole mindset was to try and simplify his game because that's the way that, that we can, that we can uh, believe in it and trust it for, for, for a longer period of time. Otherwise, can be too vulnerable. So we're just trying to simplify his serve and you can put two and two together and, and figure that out yourself. Yeah. Okay. And the racket, you mentioned the racket in Cincinnati too. Um, change of racket, tweaked racket, which presumably has quite a big effect. Yeah, tweaked racket. Uh, again, uh, looking long term, uh, looking at his uh, sustainability of his game and, and sustainability of his body as well. Uh, so, like I said, we're not, we're not trying to, to get him just to win a few events here, here and there. We're me and the team were trying to build him so so he can rely on his game consistently uh, and whether it happens or not we're gonna have to wait and see but uh, we we strongly believe that it's the way forward and 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 he deserves as a player uh, and as an athlete to to give himself the best chance at, at being at, there at the top consistently so we're working towards it we know it's a progress it's a process and um, and again we just need to start winning matches get that confidence back and then I think we'll, we'll see the results. And we've gone, what, five minutes without mentioning Andre Hagassi, who's here this week. Um, how's that come about? And what, uh, what are you aiming to, to get out of Andre, you and Grigor? Uh, like I said, we're, we're looking long term and, and when having conversations uh, with Grigor and the team, I, I thought uh, having, having someone like Andre around that, that has known Grigor for, for a long time, since he, was, since he was a junior, he spent time with him in Vegas. Uh, back in the day and, and they've kept in touch um, throughout the years uh, I thought it would be a, an incredible asset to have and and it's someone that that can help build that build that uh, that career that we're looking for uh, I think he can bring a lot of things uh, not only on the on the court but off the court uh, he's, he's a great person it's a pleasure to have him around so uh, I made the decision to to reach to reach out to him and and, uh, and see if he would be willing to to help out and and thankfully he's agreed and, and yeah we've spent some time with him the last few weeks and now he's here in Paris and we're all very excited to have him to have him around in the future so the natural question from that how much time do you think you'll, you'll be getting from Andre going forward uh, totally up to him uh, Grigor is um, very relaxed about it he, he's not asking for, for any commitment that Andre is not, is not comfortable with so we're just Leaving it up to him, seeing how he, how it evolves uh, within the next few weeks and months. But uh, obviously, the the more the better. Uh, we're we're very thrilled to have him around, and and even the the last few weeks that that we've spent with him has been they have been extremely productive and, and positive and, and open between everybody. So uh, from our end, the the more he's around, the better. But again, it's um, it's someone like him. Uh, we just want him to feel comfortable with what he's doing, and 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 whatever that is for him, we're we're happy with that. Wonderful. Well, we'll look forward to maybe chatting with Andre about that because it sounds like he's the one who will have to answer that question as well. Um, so when you start next year, I know you're, you've always set targets together. Um, and it may be that Grigor has a wonderful week this week. You, you know, he gets a thousand points yeah. and, and all of a sudden the ranking doesn't drop that much. Yeah. But if that doesn't happen because of the glory days of, of the O2 last year, Let's face it, the ranking is going to drop, probably outside the top 20 if, yep. if that happens. Mm -hmm. How does that play into your 
target setting for 2019? I think uh, when you're going through a process that we're going through right now, you, you don't look at the, at the long term that much. When, when, when you look at, at goal setting, um, obviously, most important thing right now is to put a few matches and a few wins together. That's that's the goal we're looking. When, now, when we're setting uh, when we're setting targets and goals, we're just looking at we're looking short term. It's not the time to, to be looking at, at long term goals. Obviously, the long term plan is to build him so he can win slams and, and he can be at the at the top of the rankings. But uh, but that's not what we're that, that when we're looking at work that those are our goals. But when we're looking at performance goals that are in front of us we're just looking to get a few matches in and, and, and to get that confidence back so just put a few wins together for now and in terms of the off season um, how work intensive do you see that being or is there some rest is, is it a lot of work with or without Andre uh, definitely some rest um, now after after Paris is done um, but then back to work uh, we haven't played that many matches in the last six months and and we need to get the body ready to 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 be on point by by January uh, we need to use these two months to to get the repetitions in and and, and, and make it um, as easy on the body as we can because when you don't play many matches uh, the the body loses that repetition and and, and and if you now spend a couple of months not not uh, pushing it and getting in shape for that, then you're going to pay for it in January. So definitely take some time off, probably probably ten days, and and then do do five weeks of, of, of some solid uh, construct, constructive training. But definitely we're going to spend uh, a big chunk of the time preparing preparing the body first on the physical side of things, and then spend a few a few uh, a few weeks. I don't know where that's going to be. If it's going to be in Monaco or, or with Andrew somewhere else, um, then working on his game and, and trying to to again work on that on that long-term plan which is getting his game to a point where, where he's sustainable in the big moments finally and just for the record whether Andre is there or not you're still going to be there yeah of course yeah I'm, I'm all in I, uh, I love working with Grigor it's it's a it's a pleasure and 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 for me it's a, it's about problem solving uh, as a coach uh, I'm the leader of the team and, and I have to I have to take that position seriously and I'm bringing Andre along for me uh, it's something that hopefully will we'll problem solve problem solve some things uh, and that's that's what I'm trying to do as 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 the head coach of the team and and, and I hope it works but I, I'm all in uh, I, all I want is is for Wigger to 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 have a to have the the best base he can have to to achieve his potential yeah. always a pleasure Danny thank you thank you sir I'm back in the player lounge with one half of the season ending world number one doubles team um, that was announced yesterday. Oliver Marak, first of all, huge congratulations. I'm sure that's been a pinnacle that you've been chasing in your career for, for a while. How does that feel, first of all, world number one? Yeah, it's an unbelievable feeling. I, at first, I didn't even know it yesterday. It's just uh, one ATP guy came, hey, can you do a quote? I said, for what? What do you need us for? I said, yeah, because you're uh, number one. I said, wow. And I was really surprised, very happy about that. Um, yeah, as I said, unbelievable feeling. Um, was one of my dreams to end up number one. But uh, um, yeah, 2009-2010, I had a great doubles career. Ended up also top five and six. And uh, unluckily, I had an accident in 2012, so I was out very long time. And then it took me very long to come back to the top. And, and finally, I could achieve that this year. Yeah, to get it sewn up at this stage as opposed to London I mean you think the the year that Melo and, and Kubot had last year and they were still battling in London to get the season ending world number one so the the, the season you guys have had just incredible 
Yes, um, well, we had an unbelievable start of the season. It was not normal, I would say, what we did, winning three tournaments in a row, almost four. In the fourth, we lost in the final very close. And uh, yeah, then we had, I would say, a good setup for the rest of the year. Um, and we played very consistently, had another final in the Grand Slam, had the final in the Thousand event, won some 250s. And uh, yeah, I had, a, I would say, a little bit off time in, in, in the uh, American tour, didn't play great tennis there. I got injured before in, in Wimbledon, was a little bit sad because in on the grass court season we had high hopes to play there very good. Last year we lost in the Wimbledon final, a very good match, and so we had a very high target and unluckily I couldn't uh, play there well. And uh, yeah, uh, since um, China we play really good again. Had a couple of matches, played final two semis now, and then and unluckily today Mate had to retire here in Paris. But I hope he will be ready for London. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. But first of all, in terms of the partnership, um, you finished last year, of course, pretty strong. When did you first start to think, "Wow, this is this is gelling. This this could this could really work." This partnership. Well, it's actually a pretty funny story about us because uh, we got together in Miami last year and both uh, not with great confidence. So at the beginning we played horrible. We won maybe one or two rounds every tournament we played and um, we were confirmed till after the grass court season to play with and we sit down in, in Stuttgart which is uh, two or three tournaments before Wimbledon mm-hmm. and we said okay uh, we play now but after we were split up so and then suddenly <laughs> we played uh, two finals in a row and out of nothing boom uh, final in Wimbledon so <laughs> we said so what we do now you want to still split up or we <laughs> want to try because we were <laughs> run suddenly in the race we were number 10 and and uh, of course playing for London and I said okay let's 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 play together and, and see and um, then we also took an, uh, a doubles coach for us first time he helped us also a lot and uh, yeah we had from Stockholm on, it was unbelievable. I mean, if we count like that, we, we won Stockholm in Vienna. I had to retire. I couldn't play the semi-final because of my back. We got in alternate in London, win this match. So if you count starting from Stockholm, we had, I think, a 22-win strike till after Australian Open. So it was really amazing. You mentioned the Australian Open. How... How do you remember that week now, or the fortnight now, rather? I mean, it must have been incredible to to finally do. I mean, you've been on tour for a, for a long time, and as you say, you you've been through a hell of a lot um, to finally get that Grand Slam title. I think it's my twentieth year, so I, <laughs> I went through a lot. No, but uh, I mean, it was an amazing two weeks. Um, we came there a little bit tired, of course. We we won first two tournaments of the year traveling um, but um, there's nothing better as confidence in your back and and we had a lot of confidence with these two tournament wins and I have to say we didn't play our best tennis but 
we always played well in the big moments and the important points. That's uh, when you could see the matches. We, we won, a, uh, I think, from the second or third round on in Australia. We won uh, a lot of matches, like in the third set, 7-5 in the third, 7-6 in the third. But we we always, at the end, were sharp there, make the big points. And, and um, I think the only two-set match was the first round and the final in the Australian Open and yeah unbelievable feeling to win a Grand Slam and you're going to be top seeds in London yeah. so you'll be in the Knowles and Nesta group uh, and oh, okay. one day by the way you know we talk about a year ending world number ones Brian Brothers Woody's Knowles and Nesta um, Elting and Harhouse yeah. Marek and Pavic now <laughs> maybe yeah. one day you'll have a group named after you but you're going to be yeah. starting in the Knowles and Nesta group um, how are you looking forward to London? Well, I mean, you have the best eight doubles teams in there in the whole year. Um, there will be no easy match, that's for sure. And uh, we have to play every match 100% and then uh, win. everybody know each other. So everybody know the weaknesses, the strength, the strength. And yeah, we will see. We will. Uh, for me first, I hope Mate will be okay. And, and then we will see which uh, against who we play, who is with us in the group and try our best to get as far as possible. Congratulations to Oliver Marak. Together with Marte Pavic, they end the year as the world number one doubles team. And I really hope you can join us at the NITO World Tour Finals for commentary of every match, singles and doubles. But before we get to London, there is a stop in Milan. That's for the second edition of the next-gen ATP Finals. The advance party have arrived, and we can hear now from Tennis TV's Lee Goodall and Colin Fleming. Colin, there were a lot of rules changes, weren't there, when, when they were announced sort of midway through 2017. We had the new scoring, we had the shot clock, no lets, we had the coaching on court, the, the crowd movement, the court looked quite iconic, a different look with no doubles lines. Having been there for the first time in Milan, did you come away feeling like the experiment was a success? Yeah, very much so. I, I felt like it was a, a huge success for, for a number of reasons, really. I think as an event in itself, um, you know, really impressed with, first of all, the field that it ended up being. Um, I think the expectation before that event was the, the kind of rankings of the players might have been slightly lower. I think it ended up a sort of 75 or 80 cut in the world. It was incredible quality field, first and foremost. I think the crowds were great. They were really engaged with everything that went on. And, and, and I know they had to be putting a, a big effort to that, everything that was going on around the match. The court, as you say, was really iconic. But, you know, I think from an ATP point of view and a, and a sort of wider picture, if you like, I think a really smart move to sort of start, you know, advertising or sort of promoting that, that younger next generation um, because it's well documented how we've had this golden era in the sport. But, you know, they can't go on forever, these players, and, and we're going to need some sort of big names and well-known faces to sort of transition, almost a succession plan of, of big stars on the tour. So I think it was a really smart move and, and of course, an opportunity to trial um, some some new rules and some fresh concepts. And, and, and we've seen, you know, the shot clock in particular come into play in, 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 in various events throughout 2018. So... Like I say, for a number of reasons, I think a huge success last year. Yeah, the message we were getting from the, the guys at the top of the ATP, Chris Commode, and of course your good friend Ross Hutchins, who's tournament director there, former doubles partner of yours, was that it seemed like the right time to try those things while the sport was in such good health. Why not try and sell the sport to perhaps a different younger audience and, and, uh, and use the younger players to be able to do that? You felt that was the right time to do that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Chris um, and, and Ross have to take a lot of credit for, for having that vision, um, you know, to, to have that kind of succession plan and, and, and a, an event, a quality event, um, but, you know, an event that they could test some of these rules in. So I think it was the right time to do it. And I think it's already started to make an impact. We, we touched on that shot clock. I know this year they're going to trial the... Uh, the towel rail or the towel rack at the, the the back of the court, obviously very topical at the moment. So, again, uh, another example of how the ATP are really looking to innovate and uh, and and improve the the sport as much as they can. Yeah, I mean, and and you've touched on it already. One of the biggest bonuses must be just how high quality the young guys have become. I mean, when when the concept of the next gen was was put out there by the ATP, in their wildest dreams, they can't have imagined to have such depth in that race to Milan so quickly you know guys who in the case of you know of course Sasha Zverev in the obvious obvious example but but Sitsipas this year making final of Toronto and a number of those guys Shapovalov lighting it up on the on the ATP proper already yeah no it's uh it's, it's a really high quality and that that stands in the memory from last year as well of you know how good the matches were and and also how nice it was to commentate that we can actually see these guys face off against each other and sort of, you know, look and try and predict who's going to be the the one or two that really make it at that, that you know, the, the, the top end of the game, the, the top 10, top five, potential future world number ones, have these discussions and look who could, who could be the next winners of the, the biggest events. So, you know, it looks like we're going to have a, a real quality field again. So, like I touched on, it was... It's a quality event in itself to actually go there and see how good the, the tennis is and, and with the fun scoring and everything that goes on around the matches. But, you know, a great sort of innovation by the ATP as well. The guys at the top of the ATP were very honest in saying, you know, some things might not work, some things might work. It's very much an experiment. So, you know, it, it, we're not quite sure how, how it will go. Were there, were there elements that you liked and maybe thought they've gone maybe a step too far when you were watching last year? Well... Like I say, as a whole, I think it was a, a big success um, to see them all trialed. I think individually, if you're kind of looking at the rules, I mean, you know, everyone kind of has their own their own preference. The, the best of five, first of four, very interesting sort of scoring system, first and foremost. It really felt like the first break was was pretty decisive in a, in a lot of the sets that were played. So... You know, that was very interesting, obviously in much less time to recover a break, you know, even if it was in the first game of the set. I think the the, the shot clock and also the, the timing of things like the walk-on, um, the warm-up, you know, all of that being on the clock I thought was nice and definitely something that, that tennis in general can benefit from and actually just being a bit more prompt and, and therefore the sport becoming a bit more marketable, um, which uh, which can only be a bonus and, and benefit everyone. I think the well, in terms of the, the crowd moving around, it, it, it seemed to work. Um, I think in Milan, obviously you talked about the icon, iconic court and and behind the, the sort of end opposite where we were commentating from, was really, there was just a DJ essentially and then I think a few VIPs um, and then this huge sort of red, you know, lit up display. So there wasn't really much movement behind that end of the court. It was more at the sides. I think people, players, uh, sorry, fans were allowed to move and it didn't really seem to distract anyone. I think the coaching was a really, really nice um, addition from a commentary point of view um, because you got that insight into the, the coach-player relationship and, and to, to really hear what the player was thinking. is Often we can kind of try and guess or predict that, but to really get the, the honest opinions of the players, I know that's maybe a debatable one from the 
I, I guess the, the traditions of, of tennis as a sport, you know, the coaching one is some people like it, some don't. You know, I think that's a nice thing about tennis personally that, you know, once you're out there, you've got to problem solve yourself. And I think that's part of the battle when you're coaching your players. You, you've got to empower them to be able to problem solve. So that's be interesting to see how far that one goes. I think that, you know, there was so much. I, I, I kind of feel like I'm talking so much here, but the, 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 um, the electronic lines uh, calling, although... I think it helped the players in that there was never really a dispute. You never see them, obviously, argue with it with a with a computer, uh, so to speak. Um, it did kind of give it a bit of a clinical feel. I, I quite like the human touch of, of um, you know, the, the the line judges being there, and then also the the human element of mistakes. I think that adds to the drama and and the challenges that we're used to with the heartbeat and the response of the crowd to close calls. So, yeah, yeah I mean, look. A brief overview of all the different rules. I think some were were really interesting, successful. Some maybe not quite so much. But it'll be interesting to see how they go down. I'm really looking forward to seeing the towel rack and how that influences play this year. And of course, it was Hyung Chung who won the inaugural event, and um, he went on to have an, an incredible start to 2018. Do you think that played a part in some ways? Neville Godwin, his coach, has suggested that being able to put back-to-back wins together in Milan then helped him once he got onto back onto the tour early doors 2018 would you agree with that 100% I, I think it was a huge week for him actually I think um, he, he just went from strength to strength as, as the week went on um, and he ended up playing really really top tennis um, to, to, to win that title you know I don't think it's gone down as an official ATP title on his record but you know that's a title in, 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 in many ways and he will have felt great going into the off-season off the back of that. And no surprise, he, he started uh, this season with a bang down under. Um, so an opportunity for, for this year's cohort of players to you know set themselves up nicely for, for the off-season and, and take that momentum into, into next year. Colin, thanks for talking to us. Interesting observations and have a good week in Milan. Cheers, thank you. Thank you to Colin and Lee. And just to continue, Miles McLaggen, what Lee and Colin were talking about there with Chung, four of 2017's next-gen participants and alternates end 2018 in the ATP top 16, all started outside the top 40. So 11, Karen Hashnov, 12, Borna Cherich, 15, Stefano Sitsipas, who was an alternate in Milan, and 16, Daniel Medvedev. Then you've got Chung at 25, a lot of injuries. Shapovalov at 27, TFO at 40, and then Gianluca Quincy. He rose, who won the wildcard player of the Italian he rose from 335 at the start of the year to 149. It's been a big boost for all of them. And, and, and as Lee said, probably a bigger boost than, than they or the ATP <laughs> hierarchy would have mentioned in their wildest dreams. And, you know, just following a little bit from what they were saying, what the success, I, I think the, the players were, were desperate to win it. There was tension. Um, there, were, there, was, there was a bit of cramping as well. I think that was possibly because of the pace of play. But just the, the tension, they weren't sure. And, you know, that, that's, again, what sport's all about. The, the competitors out on the field, it needs to matter to them, and it mattered a lot. And it might matter even more this year with this group, having seen the success that <laughs> these guys have had who played in it last year. should mention Jared Donaldson, Andre Rublev. They've just had real struggles with injuries this year, which is why they're rankings may not have risen as much as people would have expected or they would have expected. We should say congratulations to Liam Caruana, who is the Italian representative. He came through the wild card playoff. Now, he, what an opportunity this is. He's currently 622 
in the world. So, so worlds away from some of these guys competing. He's been a career high of 375, but an opportunity for Caruana, having come through this wild card playoff, to say, OK, it's a big stage against some of the biggest players in my age group. It's a chance. It's, it's an amazing um, learning experience. It's, mm. um, you know, it's not going to boost the ranking because there aren't sort of official points on, on offer. But, yeah, to, to, to test himself against these guys who've been playing you know in the top 100 they've you know, have taken on some some top players and um you know you no, no learning experience like being up against that and just seeing the levels firsthand under under pressure. Now, can we talk about the towel rack? I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> People listening to this, they might have seen what it looks like by now, but as things, I just, I can't wait to see what it looks Is it going to be sort of a, a bucket or a chair that they can throw it on? Because they cannot ask the ball boy or ball girl to give it to them. They yeah. have to take it and they have to put it back. And I just, what do you think? It's just going to be like a bog standard hook, but that's quite hard sometimes. You're in the bathroom and you hang up your towel and it slides off and you hang up your towel and it slides on the floor and you don't want it to be on the floor and I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's probably eight mothers sitting at home going, I want to see him put that towel. I'll, I'll, I've been trying to get him for 19, 20 years to hang his towel up. Let's see that happen now. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Yeah, it might just be a... I mean, if, if you can hit tennis balls travelling around 140 miles now, you should be able to get a towel on a towel rack. No, but your focus, and the focus has never been trying to get a towel on a rack before you. Just well, focused on, something else to on focus that ball, on that <laughs> point. It's going to be multitasking in Milan. But we're looking forward to it because it was so exciting last year. Everything about... They were, it was so different. These things that they just threw at yep. it. Some are going to stick, some are not going to stick. But it's really interesting. And I agree with Colin. I love the coaching. Ready for day one in Milan as part of the ATP Tennis Radio team, Miles McLaggen. Oh, very ready. Looking forward to it. We yeah. are looking forward to it. Miles McLaggen, Naomi Cavity, Peter McCarthy and myself. Shiji Salmon with you and we are with you. Thank you very much, Miles. Thank you. Pleasure as always. We're with you half an hour before play starts on the Tuesday, which is 1.30 p.m. local time. Really, really do look forward to your company for that. If, if it passed you by last year, don't let it happen again this year. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's fascinating. These guys, the stars of the future. So thank you to Miles McLaggen, Seb Lozier, Lee Goodall, Colin Fleming and everyone else who gave their time to speak to us. Now to keep up to date with life on the ATP Tour, go to www atpworldtour.com ATP Tennis Radio is with you 24 hours a day if you get the chance and the time and you've been enjoying listening to the podcast then feel free to leave a review of the podcast from where you get your podcast from thank you very much for listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast and we look forward to your company again soon